Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad and then on with today's episode. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club, Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with Therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is a show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. Our story today takes place on the west coast of Finland. January 5, 
2017 was a sunny winter day, and it was also very cold, negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative 20 degrees Celsius. That day, there was a woman who was at home, but outside, and she was looking west, out over the Gulf of Bothnia. That's the body of water that separates Finland's west coast from Sweden's east coast. It's about 60 or 70 miles across, and the surface is frozen in the winter. As she's looking out over that ice-covered body of water, she sees a person skiing across the ice, about 500 yards away from land. And during that brief time she's looking that direction, she sees that person drop right through the ice into the water. The person she saw go through the ice was an 18-year-old man named Matt. That was a pretty scary day for Matt. He could have died that day, but he didn't. Thankfully, he survived, and he told me exactly what happened on that day. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Matt. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Scott, for having me. Now, you live in Finland, right? On the, on, on the west coast of Finland. Yeah. And the area, you told me the area where you live is is called the Kavarkin area. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, the stretch of water that connects Sweden and Finland is called Kvarken. Okay, I could never say it like that. But um, as the American, I'll just say Kvarken. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Good enough. Okay. How cold does it usually get there in the wintertime? Um, in Fahrenheit, it usually gets around to negative four. I mean, obviously, some days it can be much colder, but around negative four, a typical January. So this, this body of water that separates Finland, Finland's west coast and Sweden's east coast is, uh, it's, it's called the Gulf of Bothnia. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And it looks like, how far across is that? Is it like a hundred kilometers roughly maybe? Uh, around a hundred kilometers. So about 60 or 70 miles, something like that. So it's a, I mean, that's a big body of water. Does it freeze all the way across usually? Uh, yeah, some winters I, it's so cold that it'll actually freeze all the way across. So you could, if someone wanted to, on some during some winters, you could walk all the way across from Finland to Sweden. Yes, that is correct. Okay, have you ever done that? Uh, no, no, that'd be rather difficult, I believe. Yeah, it probably would. Being out there in the cold with. Uh, no, no shelter or anything. How many times before this day had you had you skied on on that ice? Uh, several times per week, uh, every winter, all winter. So you're you're pretty much an outdoor guy. You you love being outdoors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love being outdoors. Had you been on that same ice that winter pre- previous to when this happened? Yeah, I'd been on the ice a couple of times actually prior to this, and had no. No problems whatsoever. How do you know when you're when you're skiing? How do you know? How do you recognize it when you're coming up on a weak area, or is there a way to recognize it? Well, if there are parts of the ice that are not uh, covered in snow and that they're actually exposed to the eye, then you might be able to spot some major cracks or something like that. But I guess just keep your eyes and ears open and make sure nothing seems too fishy. So you're not looking really for big holes in the ice. You're just you're mainly looking for cracks in the ice. Is that right? 
Yeah, if I'm worried it's going to break, I'm looking for cracks. But normally there's not a chance it's going to break, so I'm usually not too worried about it. Yeah, so it's not. Yeah, this was in January, so it had already been cold for a while. So really, it should be. It should have been thick enough. Yeah, it should have been thick enough. All right. So when you're when you're skiing, what you're what you're really doing, what as the way I think of it, is you're you're cross country skiing, right? Just like you would on land. Yes. Can you describe when you stepped out on the ice that day? What was your what does your equipment look like? I mean, what was, what kind of gear did you have? Well, in general, I tend to carry light gear, like nothing too heavy. Um, obviously, it can get quite difficult and strenuous on your body if you have lots of thick clothing. But also, if if you end up uh, breaking through the ice, you're not pulled down too much by the heavy clothing but i guess i didn't have too much cargo with me i had my phone um and i had uh, a backpack with some water and stuff but not too much uh, that's one of the things i was going to ask you is you do you normally carry your phone with you but yeah, yeah probably most people do but really if, if you're if you're down in the water your phone might not be workable anyway no, it's <laughs> unless you have some sort of waterproof casing. It's right, right. Basically, goodbye for that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this what we're talking about. This event happened on Thursday, January five of twenty seventeen. So it's almost two years ago. On that day, how far out did you go from land? Um, I actually didn't go too far. I think I skied about three or four miles, something like that. Nothing, nothing too harsh at all. That's still quite a ways though. I mean, you're way off from land though. Three or four miles is. Uh, yeah. I'm not heading straight across the ice. Oh, I'm like kind of in an inlet uh, where I live, a small inlet that's about like 10 miles long or something like that. And I'm heading along land, like out towards the ocean, but I haven't really got to the open ocean yet. Okay. So, so you would go like go out a little ways and then head north or head south? Yeah. Okay. That's what I'd do. Okay. What was your first indication that there might be a problem? Well, I started to hear these very, very slight cracking noises. Or it was more like a crackling noise, but it could easily be mistaken for like the snow underneath the skis. So I really wasn't too suspicious because it it is crunching just like snow. Um, But then eventually it just like everything broke at once, like a large sheet of ice just like slowly sunk down into the water. Oh, so it wasn't, it was fairly quick, but it wasn't all of a sudden you you went through. You could kind of see it happening. Yeah, it happened over the course of like maybe a second. Oh, well, that is pretty quick then. <laughs> wow. Second, two seconds, something like that. Okay. So when that happened, did you just go completely in the water at that point? There really wasn't anything I could do because I guess the area that was breaking was like too large for me to like kind of uh, get away from. So, yeah, I basically I just pan- I, I pan- I panicked. And I went straight into the water. My head never went under the water, thankfully, though. So you were mostly under the water. Do you know what the temperature of the water was that day? I never got that checked, but I knew that the air was negative four degrees Fahrenheit. So 
I guess the water couldn't have been too pleasant. No, I wouldn't imagine. And that's got to be, I mean, uh, that's worse than taking a cold shower. That's got to be quite a shock, not just knowing that you're going in, but the feel of sudden freezing water being submerged. Yeah, yeah definitely. You get the whole adrenaline rush going. Right. A lot of things happening at once. How did you keep your head above the water? I actually, I, I didn't, I was just treading water, I guess. For some reason, I, I thought I was going to end up under the water, but I just was able to tread and float by and keep my head dry. And did you still have your skis on? Uh, actually, the first thing I did when I had plummeted was take my skis off because I knew there's not a chance of getting out with them on. So I kind of pulled them off and threw them up onto the surface. Oh, okay. So you didn't just kick them off and let them sink to the bottom. You you wanted to uh, you no. wanted to save them, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, uh-huh. they're new. Okay. So so your skis were off and you were able to just tread water. Do you know how to swim? Yeah, yeah, I know how to swim. So I, I guess the drowning wasn't as dangerous as freezing in this situation for me, at least. So you're able to tread water, and so at that point. What's going through your mind? Well, first of all, I guess you never you never expect these things to happen to you. So when it does, you I don't know, you get kind of confused. It it feels unreal in a way. But uh I guess once I came to my senses, the first thing I thought was I need to get out of this situation quick because the longer I wait, the colder I'll get, the more difficult it'll be the more stamina I'll end up spending. So all I knew was I need to get out of this situation like right away. And how were you trying to get out? I mean, were you, did you have your arms up on the edge of the ice trying to pull yourself up or were you not able to grab onto any ice at all? Uh, Well, I was trying to swing my legs up. I had my arms up on the surface. I was trying to swing my legs up because that is usually a good strategy. If the ice is strong that you're surrounded by, but in this point, or in this case is very, very thin ice is about like half an inch, an inch, maybe it wasn't thick at all. So every time I tried to swing my legs up, I just keep, I was just breaking off uh, the sides of the hole. So the hole is just getting larger and larger and larger as I was trying to get up. When I didn't realize that that was working, I developed a new strategy, which was basically just using my arms and crawling straight forwards up against the ledge. Uh, which really just it, it kept breaking off over and over again. So how many how many times do you think that happened while you were trying to get out? Definitely a lot of times because yeah, I was out there for about seven minutes, I think. So uh, I was at it pretty much the whole time. Were you? Would you describe yourself as being in a kind of a state of panic, or were you thinking kind of clearly? I don't know. It's kind of both at the same time because you get like these primal instincts that kick in and you have the adrenaline rushing and everything. So I guess you might be quite panicked, but still your body for some reason knows what to do. Had you ever been in any kind of situation like this before? Any kind of training for this? No, like I I have done ice swimming before, which is a thing here where you just cut a hole in the ice and jump in. I've done that before. So I guess the it, it wasn't too cold for me to handle. That's what I'm trying to say. 
And if you like looking back on it now, how long do you think you could have stayed in the water before hypothermia would set in? I really do not know. I do not know because I wasn't there for seven minutes. And I know that by the time they checked my temperature afterwards, I did have hypothermia, but I do not know if I reached that temperature in the water or if it happened while transporting me out of the, the, the danger zone. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what, or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what, or going to cookunity.com what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what code 25 what did you at at any point during this did you kind of think in your head well this is the end this is how i die yeah definitely because i guess what what separates this incident from other people's near-death experiences is that when you 
break through the ice or you're drowning or anything like that is a very slow, long experience. So you have time to think about all the possible outcomes of this situation. So yeah, that was definitely a thought on my mind. Like, is, is this it, you know? And this whole time when you're trying to get out, you're also yelling for help. Yeah. I was yelling as loud as I possibly could. Like, I could, I could barely talk for a week after that because I'd pretty much scream my throat out. How far do you think you were from the nearest house or where someone might hear you? Um, well, I was skiing uh, parallel to land, so I wasn't too far away. But, I mean, the nearest house was at least uh, 500 yards, something like that. Okay. I, or felt like that at least. But it, it was quite far away the nearest house but thankfully um a woman who was there had seen uh me crash through the ice and so she sent her uh son actually to run out there and try to try to save me so that did take some time but i also heard that people across across the ice on the other side they had heard me uh at least a mile away. You didn't even realize that when you're trying to scramble and somehow get out, there was this woman who had seen you go through. She just happened to be looking yeah. at you when you, when you went through the ice. Yeah. And I had no way of knowing that. So I thought I was all alone. Yeah. How did her son get out there safely or was he endangering his own life to get to you? Yeah, he, he was definitely endangering his own life to get to me because uh, he had to kind of maneuver around the uh, Dane, the the thin zone because there's a thick ice and a very thin ice like right next to each other. So he had to kind of like maneuver around that area to get to me. You know, a lot of times you hear about somebody sees a person drowning and they jump in to save that person and then both of them end up drowning. So I wonder if that thought perhaps went through this guy's mind. How old was her son or roughly? Um, he's in his thirties, forties, something like that. Okay. So did he, did he ski out to you or did he just run out? He had, uh, a kick sled. It's like this kind of like, it's like a sleigh with a seat on it. So basically he's, running with the sleigh in front of him on his way out. He stopped at the point where the ice got weaker because at this point you could kind of see because the, the thin ice had started sinking and sogging. So it's a bit darker. So he biked or he, he, he ran out there. He was about 20, 30 yards away from me and he threw a rope out to me. And yeah, basically I just grabbed the rope and he pulled me up and the, the ice like kept like being crushed underneath me as I was being pulled up. So I got these uh, skin cuts like on my, uh, on my wrists because of it. Yeah. Because he's pulling you in the direction of the surface. How many times did he have to throw the rope before you got it? Uh, only once actually. Oh, that's good. When you grabbed the rope and when you finally got pulled to the surface, how far away were you from him at that point? I guess I'd say about 10 yards, something like that. 
and obviously where he was was still safe ice. Yeah. So he could just, once you're on the surface, he could just pull you probably without too much effort because you're just sliding on ice, just pull you over to him. Yeah, exactly. So did he then take you back to his house? Yeah. So he put me on the sled and he uh, pushed me over to his house, um, went inside. They called an ambulance because I was probably going to get hypothermia. And they laid me to rest on a couch and gave me a quilt to stay warm underneath. And uh, yeah, they just called my parents after that. And where were your parents? Were they at home this, during this time? Uh, my dad was at work. My mom was at home. That's not the kind of phone call a mom or a dad wants to get, of course. <laughs> no, apparently not. Of course, of course, by that time, the news was good because you had been rescued. Yeah. So what was your, what was your medical condition at that time then? Were you, you were, you were hypothermic then. Yeah, that's correct. Um, what happened was I didn't really notice I was freezing too much as I was being pushed towards his house. Like my, my clothes were freezing. Like I could barely, I could barely move my arms because like the ice froze in my jacket and it didn't feel too bad at that point because I had lots of adrenaline but is really once I like lay it on the couch with the the blanket that I really started to to freeze. Wow! So you were back in the warmer environment, and that's when you started to feel the real effect of the cold. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't really felt it until then. And so, did you end up going to the hospital? Yeah, they drove me to the hospital uh, because I my body temperature had gone under. 94, 95 degrees Fahrenheit. I think that's the, that that's where it, it starts to officially count as hypothermia. So they drove me to the hospital, um, kept me warm in the ambulance. When I got to the hospital, the local news had like actually written an article about me already. So that's kind of weird. Wow. <laughs> that's some, uh, must've been a slow news day or something, right? Somebody waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Did they, did the, so the, the people in your town, did they, everyone knew what had happened and, and what you had just gone through? Yeah. Everyone pretty much knew right away. I got lots of messages from people and stuff like that. So you're kind of a celebrity for a little while. <laughs> 15 minutes of shame. <laughs> looking, looking back on this now, is there something you could have done or signs you could have seen to avoid having this happen? I really thought about that a lot. Um, but I mean, in general, what I was doing wasn't dangerous because usually even that part of the ice is thick. But what had happened was the ice had been real nice and strong for several weeks. But the night before I had gone out, um, there had been this like real strong wind storm that had broken off like a very large section of ice from this inlet I was skiing in and had to kind of like the wind had pushed it across the ocean basically. So the only ice I was skiing on was the ice that had frozen overnight. So that's why it suddenly got so thin. But I guess as a safety precaution, I could have like checked with my dad or with someone else if they knew anything about um, the conditions, what, what the ice is like, or I guess, 
Um, I could have checked the weather history from yesterday or something like that. Are there people, are there organizations or weather groups or something that kind of monitor the, the condition of ice in various areas? Yeah, but not too actively. Okay. All right. Would it have made a difference if you were with someone rather than being all by yourself out there? Had I been with someone, uh, it really depends on how tightly they'd be following me because I guess if two people would have skied out there beside each other, the same thing would have happened and they would have both been doomed. But I guess if one person heads a few feet ahead of the other one, then second person could save the first person if anything goes down. You know, this happened almost two years ago and I understand it's taken you a while before you could actually talk about it. Yeah. Why is that? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I guess before you are able to actually like mature your uh, view on the whole situation, you have to like, you have to go to, through a whole process where you stop worrying about it, where you stop uh, theorizing and imagining different possible outcomes of the situation that didn't really happen. But, you know, you start, you start to think about all the different outcomes and I guess that can get quite scary. Yeah. Like if that lady hadn't been out and happened to be looking at you when you went through, now you said there was someone else that heard you yelling, but they were like a mile away. That's boy, that's a long way for sound to travel. Yeah. Is they were in this village that's like across the inlet. And I remember my dad had told me afterwards that they could hear me from there. And they had also been able to spot me with binoculars at that point. But I guess sound just travels real well across water. But if they hadn't, if they had been the only ones to hear you, that it would have taken them quite a bit longer to get to you than it would for this other, for this man to get. Yeah. To yeah. Right. It would have taken way longer for them. All right. And that that may have been too late. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking? It might be good if you, maybe you've already done this, if you told your story at some local groups or clubs or something, you know, people that are interested in the outdoors that, you know, to, so people might be more aware of this, it might, might save somebody else's life. Have you thought about that at all? Well, I haven't really done any clubs, but I guess I have like talked to people about it and like kind of advocated ice safety, like look for the obvious uh, giveaways and I don't know, take the proper safety precautions before you do anything like that. Has this, having this happen, has it changed your outlook on life in any way? Well, I don't know. Maybe I suppose death seems a bit more spontaneous because like it, you, you expect it to happen a lot further down along the, along the way. How old are you? Um, I'm 20 at the moment. I was 18 then. Yeah. You don't at 20 years old or at 18 years old, you don't really think about uh, death really at all. No. Right? No, it's just any regular morning. Have you, since this happened, have you gotten to know that man that came out and saved your life? Well, I was familiar with him from before. I kind of knew his family, know who he is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We we live in an area where lots of people know each other. He might be one of the guys you want to buy a beer sometime or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I set up like kind of a – or I, I gave them a card where I like basically 
thanked them for saving me, his mom and and him, and uh, I gave them a gift card to a restaurant. That's nice. Are you planning to go out on the ice again this winter? Yeah, I probably will this winter. Like I didn't, I wasn't able to do it too much last winter because I was in the military, which all uh, men in Finland have to do as a as a conscript. So I wasn't at home too much last winter, but I'm definitely planning on going out on the ice this winter. If you weren't tied up with the military last winter, would you have done it then? Or do you have any, did you have any hesitation about going back out on it because of what happened? Not really. Like I have, I have been out on the ice, like not as far obviously as that time, but I have been like out walking with my dog on the ice as an example. Yeah, if you love the outdoors, it's kind of kind of hard to not do outdoor stuff, right? Yeah. Matt, what a great story. I mean, uh, obviously things could have turned out completely differently, but I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Thanks for sharing your story. All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. My goal for each show is to introduce you to people and stories that you just won't find on other podcasts. If you want to help support the show, you just need to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. You can click on any of the subscribe buttons on the website, which is whatwasthatlike.com. You'll see all the links right there at the top where you can subscribe directly to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or on whatever app you use to catch your podcasts. And you'll see there are also links to Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us there, and I hope you do. And if you really want to connect with me and get in on the discussion with other listeners to this show, you can join our private Facebook group. You can find that at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash Facebook. And of course, you can always email me directly at scott at whatwasthatlike.com or just go to the website and click on contact. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode or a previous episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next show where we'll once again ask the question, what was that like?